This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not yet bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Wonderful. Uh, some of you may remember that right back at the beginning of the lockdown season, back in March of 2020, uh, the first uh, the first time I got to, to speak, to preach, uh, in lockdown, I, I used this passage in, as one of three passages. We talked about three men in caves and how uh, that cave experience was a bit like our lockdown experience. But caves are either a place that you can run to hide or they're a place that you can run to God. And, uh, and, and how uh, David and Elijah and Lazarus were the three guys we looked at had that experience of finding God and hearing God in the cave. And as we've come into this new year, and um, and I'm sure we're all hoping for better, and we were encouraged by Chris in our communion Zoom this morning, it's better. The new covenant of God is always better, and this is going to be a year of better. But, you know, it's still a, a, a year of challenge. With God, it's always better. It gets better. Our relationship, our life with him, it, it goes from one degree of glory to another. But let's not be unrealistic. We're still facing some some real, real challenges. And the Lord's taken me back to this passage and, and Elijah's experience in the cave. And, 
And there's three questions I want to ask you as um, uh, because we believe, don't we, that God has a purpose for us in this, that God is always working things together for for good for those that are called according to his purpose, not just good for us, but good for his purpose, that there are things in the eternal purpose of God that he is working out and working into our lives in every season and particularly in this season. And so I want to ask you three questions this morning. Uh, The first question is this, what are you doing here? God asks Elijah that question twice before and after he kind of has the encounter with this, uh, with the with the, the wind and the fire and the earthquake. He asks him, what are you doing here? And it's interesting when God asks Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah doesn't really answer the question. He answers, but he doesn't answer the question. Um, and his his answer is uh, is based on what what he's done in the past. I've been very zealous for the Lord. Um and they want to kill me. And so he's talking about his past endeavors and he's talking about his present circumstance. But he doesn't. God is wanting to know, what are you doing here? What's this for, Elijah? What are you doing here in the cave? It wasn't just somewhere he'd wandered into. You know, he'd been sent there with a message from an angel. He'd been empowered to walk for 40 days with some miraculous food um, so that that sustained him for the whole of the journey. He'd been sent there by God. He said, what are you doing here? And all he can talk about is the past and the present circumstance. And God says, no, there's, there's something more. There's something more. There is a purpose in being here in this cave, Elijah. And for us, we need to have that response. We've talked about this a lot, haven't we? Of, to say to God, God, I believe you've got a purpose in this season. And we've been unpacking uh, through the last um, uh, several months what what the, what some of the things that God wants us to do in here. What is the purpose? We know that, that part of the purpose is about deepening our relationship with the Lord. God spoke to us in January of last year and told us that it was a, t- a year of growth in the secret place. Now, we presumed that meant when we went for our quiet time, we presumed that that would just be, you know, where we go and spend time alone with the Lord. We didn't know at that point that we were going to spend most of the year uh, shut up in our houses. Isn't it wonderful the way the prophetic word works? You know, God's word comes and we can have an expectation of how that's going to be fulfilled. But but so often experience shows us that it's been an even greater fulfillment than we could have imagined. It's a bit like Joseph, isn't it, when he gets that dream and his dream is basically, you know, the sun, the moon and the stars bow down before him. He, he's, he's like, I'm going to be the greatest in my family. But, you know, that when when that actually was fulfilled, it was a small and incidental part of the much greater fulfillment of the fact that God had raised up this man to preserve two nations, Egypt and Israel. Isn't that, you know, the, 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 what, God, what God initially shows us, we in our, in our limited way can, can think, oh, this, this means this. But when God fulfills it, it turns out to mean something much, much greater. And so we know it's been a season of developing, of deepening our relationship with God. It's been a, a season of becoming more resilient. You know, the fact that that we've been had so many things taken away, but we've not had the source of our life taken away. We've not had the source of grace and mercy taken away. We've not had the word of God taken away. And that has caused us to put deeper roots down into God. We've talked a lot about learning to redeem the time, how to lay a hold of the opportunities, the redemptive opportunities in times of crisis. 
I know from talking to many of you, it's been a season of reevaluating your priorities, of realizing actually a lot of the things I was doing, I don't need to be doing. They don't really serve a purpose in what God has got hold of me. Others who have made big changes or the first steps were big changes of, of ways that are going to shape their life and the way that God is calling them. It's caused us as well, I think, to sharpen our focus on what are the things that are, are priorities in the heart of God. And, and some of those things we've learned through difficult times. We've learned through times that have felt uncomfortable, that have felt, that have felt lonely, that have felt like we're, we're disconnect, even disconnected from God. You know, Elijah, I think, felt disconnected from God. He had been, had this most incredible power encounter with God on the top of Mount Carmel. And then he comes to this place and he says, well, where is God? And, you know, God was with him, even though it seems like he hadn't really had a consciousness of that. God was intimately and closely with him through all of that. And so there's been a number of things that we can answer when God says, what are you doing here? But I want to say, because if you're like me, you were thinking, right, new year, new things changing. A few weeks ago, you're thinking, great, we've got um, vaccines coming online. Things appear to be going well. And then, you know, trouble comes a second time. I think it's Nahum that says that here comes trouble a second time. Um, and uh, and suddenly there's a new variant of the coronavirus that's that spreads more and, 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 and takes more extreme measures to control. And we can kind of go, oh, you know, I thought it's almost like on the road to Emmaus where the disciples say to Jesus, we had hoped it's almost like hope has gone. But, you know, hope hasn't gone because our hope was never in government uh, plans and, uh, and and management. Neither is it in in medical uh, expertise, although we thank God for that, because I believe that is God's means of bringing us out. But our hope is in Jesus and that has not changed. And so if you felt discouraged, if you feel like you've maybe kind of taken a step back and and really taking your foot off the gas. And I just want to say to you, what are you doing here? What are you still doing here? What is it What is it that God has got for you? You know, it's been difficult to maintain. I'm just speaking personally, but I know from conversations, it's true for many of you. It's difficult to maintain that right attitude, that stance, that, that being on the front foot all the time through these past few months. But, you know, by God's grace, it's never too late to take that stand. It's never too late to reset our focus because we are not at the mercy of our circumstances and we are here by the grace of God and we're positioned to receive the grace of God. One of the things that has come back to me again and again and again through this year is that whilst the means of receiving God's grace, many have been taken away, the source and God's willingness to pour out his grace and his unlimited supply from his fullness. We have all received grace upon grace. That has not been diminished in any way. And where you have found new ways, and maybe there are still some new ways for you to learn in this season of receiving the grace of God. God is ready and willing and able to pour out his goodness into your life. So I want to just to, to come and say, what are you doing here? What are you? What is God doing in you? What is he showing you? What is he revealing to you? How is he shaping you? How is he growing you? How is he strengthening you in this season? What are you doing here? Because he has a purpose for you. And the second question I want to ask you is this, is what have you heard in the whisper? So for Elijah, God wasn't speaking through the wind or the earthquake or the fire. He spoke in a whisper. 
you know, I think this is such a powerful uh, lesson for us to learn because, you know, for those of us that are older, maybe this is the last big uh, kind of global incident that we'll experience in our lifetime. Maybe not. I don't want to speak, you know. Uh, but for those of you that are younger, this is not the last time you're going to face a difficult time in your life. Um, and I'm not saying that as, as a prophet. I'm just saying that as a student of history and as someone who's been alive for 50 years. This is not the last big challenge that you're going to face. It's not the last big challenge we're going to face as a community, as a nation or a world. This is the nature of the times that we live in. And it's really important for us to learn this lesson that that God is not trying to say something to us through a pandemic. Just like for Elijah, God wasn't speaking through the wind. He wasn't speaking through the earthquake. He wasn't speaking in the fire. It explicitly says God was not in those. What's it saying? It's not saying God is not control is is not in control. It's not saying that God isn't sovereign. It's not saying that God doesn't use the circumstances of the world. And interestingly, I'm pretty sure in this story, God actively caused those things to happen because um earthquakes and uh, and wind that is strong enough to break cliffs and firestorms are you know they are not everyday occurrences and they happened one after the other right where Elijah was so i'm pretty sure god sent those things in this circumstance but he sent them to show and you know however extreme the circumstance that isn't where you go to get your insight into god that isn't where you go to hear from god where you go to hear from god is god himself and he said it was in the whisper it was in the gentle whisper it was in the voice that comes and brings calm. It was in the voice that spoke, not as the, the thunder from heaven. God speaks like that sometimes, but it was the voice. How he speaks to people that he's intimate with is he speaks into their heart. You know, God isn't trying to get your attention. He presumes that he has your attention. He presumes that your life, like we were being encouraged by Adam in the worship and Ben in the prayer, is focused on Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm going to speak into that. I'm going to bring you words of comfort. And for Elijah, words of comfort were, um, you've got a job still to do. There's still much work to be done. You know, what you've been involved in, the great exploits you've done, are not just a moment in time. They're part of a much bigger purpose, Elijah. And that purpose is being unfolded. I've still got more for you to do. And so I want to ask you this question. What have you heard? What have you heard from God during this season, during these last nine months? What has God been whispering into your heart through the storm, through the fire, through the earthquake, through the shaking of the world around you? What's the voice that has been speaking into your heart? Not through the circumstances, but it says about uh, Moses, doesn't it? He spoke face to face to God as a man does with his friend. God, I am a friend of God. You are a friend of God. If you if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been brought into the family and he doesn't he doesn't shout at you. He doesn't contrive elaborate circumstances to speak to you. He speaks in the whisper. He speaks into your heart. Deep. David says this deep calls the deep in the sound of your waterfalls. It's that it's that sound of that, that connection, that spiritual connection that God has. You know, we worship in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. He's not contriving to uh, to try to get through. He wants just to speak to your heart. And so what's he been saying? And if you feel I still I'm not clear what God's been saying, you know, just turn aside, take some time with him. Allow him to whisper into your heart. Allow him to speak. One of the questions that 
we ask ourselves perhaps as a consequence of what is God saying and what has God said is, what am I leaving behind? You know, when God takes us into something new, it's often uh, that we need to leave something behind. And in fact, we get that a little bit later in this story when Elijah goes and uh, meets Elisha. And all he does is, is hit him with his cloak. Uh, but Elisha, um, who was uh, looks to be the, the wealthy son of a, uh, in a family, um, he, he doesn't just leave. He, he takes the plow and the oxen that he's using and he uses the wood to make an altar and he burns the oxen and, and shares it. And basically he cuts off the past. There is no way back for him. And now he's going on to something new, something that he doesn't know what it is. You know, when God takes us on, it's often a time that we need to leave things behind. I was so blessed that Paul read and prayed from Habakkuk 2 this morning. We had a little chat, uh, Paul, Ben and I, before the live stream to say, what's on your heart to pray? And uh, and when Paul says, well, I want to read from Habakkuk 2, well, down here in my notes, I have Habakkuk 2. And... Um, uh, so I was so blessed that the Holy Spirit put that on Paul's heart to pray. It says this, the Lord answered Habakkuk, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Then the next verse says this, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, for it will surely come. It will not delay. And you have this really strange tension in these verses between God has spoken, make it plain and get ready to run. And then it says, but if it waits, if it tarries, if it if it isn't quite the time yet, don't worry. It will come. It will happen. The purpose of God, the word of God will be fulfilled. The purpose of God will be achieved. And what's making you run? That's my question. What have you heard that makes you want to run? What have you heard that makes you? That's what the word of God is supposed to do. We're not supposed to hear the word of God and go, yeah, that's nice. It's great to have. That. I'll put that down in my journal and then I'll close my I, journals are great if you do that, but they're not designed to live on the shelf. You know, it's not, oh, I'll write it down. Put it there. Oh, I can go back and show you what God said to me 15 years ago. The question is, has that made you run? Where have you gone because of that word? How has it empowered you? How has it driven you? How has it propelled you forward in the purposes of God? You know, um, you know, when he, he says to Elijah, sometimes looking at the geography of some of this stuff is helpful. He's in Horeb. That's in the Sinai Peninsula. OK, it was a 40 day walk from the southern part of Israel, which is where Elijah has the encounter with the angel down to uh, Mount Horeb. A 40 day walk probably could have been done a little bit quicker than that. But it's but but that was the, the length of time that Elijah took. And then he says, I want you to go to Damascus. Now, Damascus in, is in Syria. And uh, this one's just to, just to help um, uh, anyone that might ask this question where, you know, Damascus in the Bible, where is that today? Uh, it's still in Damascus. So some of the geography hasn't changed. Um, I may be in trouble for that coming a little bit later, but I won't tell you why. Uh, so he he ha he goes for a 40 day walk back to the southern part of Israel. Then Damascus is just to the northeast of the northern part of Israel. That was a long way. We don't get anything about that. We don't get any kind of detail of that. The next thing it jumps into is actually his encounter with Elisha. But he's run. I don't know whether he's literally run, but he's got up and he's gone. The word has come and it has propelled him out of his cave and off to the next installment that God has in his purpose. And so my question is this. My third question is first question. 
what are you doing here? Second question, what have you heard? The third question is, are you ready to go? And, um, you know, I was reminded, you know, for those of us that were expecting, right, 2021, let's hit the ground running and then suddenly we're locked down again. I was reminded actually of the passage in Second Peter where Peter talks about those that come and mock and say, look, nothing ever changes. Where's the sign of his coming? Everything just carries on as normal. He says what they don't understand is the reason Jesus hasn't returned yet is because he wants to extend a gracious opportunity for as many to be saved as possible. And, and if you like, that's the ultimate change of the seasons when Christ returns. And so some of us, we're like, I want to be in a new season. I want our community, our society, our country to be in a new season. And you think nothing's changed. But you know what? When, when it seems like the season is slow in changing, it's just an opportunity for the grace of God. And I don't know about you, but I feel I need that opportunity of the grace of God to get everything out of this present season, to take every uh, lesson that God wants me to learn, to pull on every revelation and bit of anointing that he has for me in order to be ready. So that like Habakkuk, you know, it might tarry, it might wait, it might not quite be the time, but I'm going to use that as, as an opportunity to make sure that when it's time to run, I'm going to be fit and ready to run. I'm going to have done the training. Um, you know, I've never run a marathon. I've never run half a marathon. Um, I, I've, I've managed a park run a few times. Um, but you know what? Uh, one thing, I'm, I'm no expert on this, but I do know this, is that if you, uh, if you, if you leave it until the starting pistol goes to think about preparation, um, you're not going to have a successful race. Those that have a successful race are those who continually and continually and continually train. They're training to the point where they know that they're ready and they maintain their readiness. And you know what? It's for you and I. It's a season to make sure we're ready to go. A few weeks ago, Ben encouraged us and uh, preached a word about coming out in the power of the Spirit, just like Jesus came out of the 40 days in the wilderness, that Jesus came out in the power of the Spirit. It looks like it was a difficult time, a time of that you might think would be a time of weakness of 40 days praying and fasting, but he came out in the power of the Spirit. How are we coming out? And uh, and if you feel like the answer right now is, is uh, you know, are you ready? And, and your answer is no then go back to question one and question two. It's not too late. What are you doing here? What has God said? It's how we begin to lay the groundwork for being ready to go. In the scripture and in Jesus's teachings in particular, watchfulness and readiness goes hand in hand with prayer. And so one of the ways that we get ourselves race fit for the purposes of God is to give ourselves afresh to prayer. And again, those first two questions will really help us in how we frame our prayer. Um, what are we doing here? Refocus on the purpose of, that God has in this season. And what has God said? What have I heard? Bring the word back to God. You know, God loves it. That's what really prayer is all about. It's about what God has said from heaven to earth, being voiced from the earth back to the heavens. That's why it's such a powerful thing to pray the scriptures. Uh, because this is God's declaration. This is what the heavens say. And when the earth says it as well, through the voices of you and I, there's this agreement of heaven and earth. And that's when the kingdom comes. So pray, 
bring God's promises, bring God's word, bring the scripture, bring the prophetic word back to him. In Matthew 25, we read the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. And by the way, it says virgins. And maybe for us, we kind of think, well, you know, what's the significance of that? The context, of course, because it's the bridegroom. These are the bridesmaids. Um, some kind of wedding, eh, where you don't know when the uh, bridegroom's going to arrive. That's very different in our culture these days. It's obviously the bride who is always fashionably late. And, uh, and then, you know, sometimes kind of embarrassingly late and then sometimes extremely disorganized late uh, but in that time it was that you don't know when the bridegroom's coming at least in that story because of course it's about the return of Jesus but these were the bridesmaids they were there they had they were part of they were part of the deal they were part of what was going they were part of the event and uh, when we read the the, the royal uh, um, coronation psalms I think it's Psalm 45. But the the idea of the bride and her bridesmaids is really a picture of the church. And so you and I, in that sense, are bridesmaids. Um, I, I, I know I wouldn't make a particularly good looking bridesmaid. Um, and surprisingly, no one's ever asked me to be one. I'm not sure anyone's ever even asked me to be a groomsman, but there we go. Um, but uh, but that's that's you and I in this story. And there were five wise and five that were unwise. And you know what? It wasn't to do with the state of their alertness when the bridegroom arrived, because they were all asleep. They were all asleep when he arrived. It was to do with how well they're prepared ahead of time because the five wise ones had made sure that they had enough oil for their lamps so that whenever he arrived they would be ready there was enough oil now oil in scripture is very clearly a an image of the spirit of god and so what's it saying to us it's saying look those that are ready are not those who necessarily spend their whole time awake that's not a good uh lifestyle choice um it's not it's not those who who who's who have even the ability to discern the exact moment that something's going to happen it's those that whenever it happens whenever the next phase of the purpose of god comes whenever the release comes to say it's time to run whenever the doors are flung open and the angel says peter peter come out of prison whenever that happens there is enough of the spirit within them. They have cultivated their life with the Holy Spirit. They are full of the Holy Spirit. You can be full of the Holy Spirit while you sleep. You know, God provides for those he loves while they sleep. And it's cultivating that. It's being ready. It's saying, I don't know when things are going to happen, but I'm going to make sure that whenever it happens, whenever it's the time to go, I am going to be ready. Whenever the whenever the fire, the, the starting pistol goes off, I'm going to be ready to run. I'm going to have done my training. I'm going to be I'm going to have fueled my body with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be ready for hearing the voice of Jesus saying it's time to go. It's time to go. Going back to three men in a cave from last March. The final guy we looked at was Lazarus. You know what? He had very little to say in the whole story. He was dead. But this is what happened. He heard the voice of Jesus call his name. Lazarus, it's time to come out. Lazarus, it's time to come out. And you know, you and I are going to hear that in the not too distant future. We're going to hear Jesus say, it's time to go. It's time to go. And to be ready for that, I just want to say, these. let's take these three questions. What are you doing here? What have you heard? And are you ready to go? Father, I ask for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit upon each one of us. Lord, to have a clarity 
of understanding our times and your purpose in them, to have an ability to hear ever more clearly your voice speaking into our hearts and to set our face and to prioritize our time in such a way to engage in the spiritual disciplines that you give us, that when we hear your call, we will be ready to run for the glory of your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.